Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. Today, we're back for a special series, talking to guests about the challenges facing the sandwich generation, meaning those of us juggling kids, parents, and careers, all at the same time. Chelsea Brennan, thank you so much for talking about breadwinning with me today. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me. So Chelsea, you founded Smart Money Mamas to help moms build thriving relationships with money and to teach our kids the money lessons, which I know none of us got, but so, I mean, none, none. But so your company today is helping thousands of women create lasting financial change for themselves and their families. So I'd love to start there. What is Smart Money Mamas? And really, what is the Motivated Mamas Society? Absolutely. So Smart Money Mamas is all about that relationship with money, just like you said before, right? We want people to feel confident when they think about their money. I want them to feel like that their money is aligned with their values, with their unique personal goals. Not that they're doing things because they're quote unquote supposed to, they're keeping a budget because they're supposed to, but they're keeping a budget because it's getting them the life that they want. And it's really expressing who they want to be. And so that's what we teach is, is building wealth that feels really good to you. And the Motivated Mama Society is our monthly membership community, which is kind of that like next level. If you you know you can come and visit all the free resources of Smart Money Mamas, but in the society we actually have a five module course that brings you through building that money mindset, deciding what you want from your money, and then creating a system that works with your personality. And then you get like ongoing access to me and monthly masterclasses, things like that in the society. But we just want more families to feel connected with their money and not that their money is something negative or something evil, you know, which is sometimes a frame of reference that we get is that wealth is bad, but really as money is a tool to create the life that they want. Well, and that it's budgeting, it's a chore, it's a necessity. You know, you're already like, I'm already going to be like, "Uh but (laughs) to see it as a, it is a tool to build something that you want. That's a different, it seems so simple to say, but it's completely a different way than something you're always struggling with, whether it's because you're struggling to pay your bills or you're struggling to know what to do. Like, I don't really get how do you invest. I don't really get what I'm supposed to be. It's all a struggle. And it's, I like the idea of like, well, what if we flipped our perception of it and saw it as one of the bricks in our path to making the future that we want? And I think that's such an important, that, that word struggle, right? It's it's so yeah. often the words that we use around money. And so a lot of us saw only stressful conversations about money when yes. we were a kid, right? And so we associate money as this stressful thing, as this negative thing. And so it is flipping it on its head. And sometimes it's, it is as simple as language. One of my favorite things to do with budgeting is change change the term. Call it a spending plan. Call it a happiness allocation. Call it something else. And then even within your budget, if you have categories that cause you a little bit of stress and anxiety, yes. change the word. Like so that is funny. Oh my gosh, right? Because it's yeah. all it's all like our, our terms are even the pedantic terms are struggle terms. <laughs> well, for us, here's a silly one for us, right? It doesn't say mortgage in our budget. It says 
the burrow. So we're big Harry Potter fans, the burrow with the Weasley family. It says the burrow because we love that kind of big family relationship that was in that house in in the movie and in the, in the books. And so that's what we, that's what we're paying for. We're paying for a cozy home. We're not paying our mortgage. That sounds depressing, but like if we're paying for the burrow, I can do that. Right. Right. And then is that also you follow that through that you too will have like five boys with red hair too? So I just wonder. <laughs> I do not have any boys with red hair. I have a blondie and a brown haired boy. But but just those simple things, I think, yes. is really learning what your own triggers are. And for some people, the word mortgage, the word budget doesn't bother you at all. We got to work on yeah. different things. It doesn't mean you don't have any mindset issues. It's just you have to work on different things. But it's figuring out what your triggers are and then how to change the narrative. So now, so you come by your financial wherewithal authentically. Can you, like, how did you come into the world of finance? Absolutely. So I was a weird kid. I'll own that. I bought my first economics book at 12 or 13. I started reading about investing when I was around that age as well. I was always fascinated by the world of money and how it worked. And so when I graduated from college, I went to Wall Street. I was an equities analyst, which basically means just somebody who makes stock recommendations uh, to portfolio managers around the world. I did that at Goldman Sachs for a number of years. Then I moved on to managing a portfolio at a hedge fund before I left to start Smart Money Mama. So I have deep knowledge and experience in the investing space. And then I also am a national financial educator, which means that I've, I've done some training on how to best communicate about the different areas of money. And so are you the person that I hunt down at every party to uh, ask my, hey, this may be a dumb question, but are you that person? Can I come to you at every party and ask you my financial Absolutely. <laughs> I am always happy to talk about it. And this is such a funny thing, right? So money is this thing that you know everyone says we don't like to talk about. But I think that so many people are looking for someone to give them permission to talk about it. It's not that we don't Mm. want to talk about it. It's that we think we shouldn't talk about it. And this happens in our community all the time. As soon as we create a safe space, we all have questions. We all have things we want to celebrate. We all have things we want support with. And so, yeah, that party, you know, part of this, Jennifer, is was started with our a mom's group I was in right after my first child was born. Um, it was a whole group of 250 women who had a, their first baby the same month. I had my first baby. Yep, I have those got, moms. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we got really close, and I'd become that go-to person for, hey, we're thinking about buying a house. What should we do? Hey, my company's transferring their 401k. Like, what does that mean? What do I have to do? Right. All these type of questions. And so I started the blog originally as a hobby to answer those questions. And then I got to see the impact that even just a little more confidence, a little more understanding did for families. And so I wanted to make a bigger impact and make it so that not only moms felt confident, but that they felt confident in passing those lessons on to their kids so we could really change the generational narrative we have in this country around money. Well, and I find, so, you know, in my past, wrote a lot about careers. And there was a there was a whole narrative for a while that like women don't negotiate and women don't have confidence. It, it's stuff. I just hate all that stuff. But one of the ways that if I ever have moments of not wanting to negotiate or not what whatever, I think would I ever let that happen to some like someone on my team? Because like that's mm-hmm. where I like I'm going to get in and I'm going to negotiate for like I would do it for other people, not for myself. And I wonder with a lot of this financial stuff, I would totally, I will totally stand up straight and barrel forward if it's about creating financial wellness for my kids. And so we get that all the time. And okay. so, so often people wondering. come into our community 
when they're new moms. So they're brand new and they're like, oh my gosh, I had this little person who I'm responsible for and I need to financially support them. But I also like, don't want them to grow up and be as confused and overwhelmed as I am. And so how do I, how do I teach them that lesson? Sometimes that's the first question we get asked, Jennifer, is how do I teach my kids about money? Right, right. To which my answer is always, you got to teach you about money. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. I know. And, And even harder than that is that solution driven? We all want the quick fix, right? So we get those questions of what's the best budgeting app? What, where should I open my investment account? And these are great questions, but those are simple questions. The real thing is that you have money mindset blocks. We all have them in different areas that are preventing us from really changing our money story and changing our money lives. And so the best budgeting tool for you is going to depend on your personality. It's going to depend on your money triggers, your spending triggers. And so until we figure out what those are, and that means getting deep on what are our money beliefs? What did we learn about money in childhood? What moments of importance have we had as young adults, as as adults, that we need to heal to move forward? Because this is, you know, unfortunately, we hear from people all the time who are like, I have downloaded four different apps. I've bought three different budget planners. I have done all the things and I can't keep a budget. I think I'm just bad at budgeting. It's never a budgeting problem. It's always a mindset problem. Well, isn't that the same thing with dieting? Like we, oh. you know, I did all that. I did Weight Watchers, and I did whatever, and then you know, I didn't get any better because we didn't change our whole approach. You know, like you're kind of papering over stuff instead of kind of doing the work. And similar to weight loss, I think the emphasis on a society level is around scarcity, and you see some really big money educators to this day really pushing, you know the narrative about just don't get Starbucks, right? And like these little things of- My Lord, yes. (laughs) Of no joys. And that that's the best way to manage money. That responsibility is sacrifice and scarcity. And that's that's not the case. And so with food, with money, you can do that for a week or two weeks. Some people can do it for longer, but then you binge, right? Because nobody wants to live like that. And so- we really try to talk about how do we how do we bring wealth into your whole life and what wealth means to you. And yes, that's going to mean saving for your future. But if it's a future that you're super excited about, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to save for than if it's just like, oh yeah, that article I read said I should save for retirement. Like, I guess I'll increase my 401k. Yes. And, and yeah, truly, there is a set it and forget it aspect of the 401k. And we should all do that. We And please go do that. Take oh, advantage yeah. of all. You know, all that sort of jazz. But you're so right. I mean, if it's if the life is that you're going to live a life of monk like, you know, existence, mm-hmm. that's not going to last that long. I mean, you know, though, I'm I'm kind of ready to binge and go to Aruba at any time. So, you know, if you want to join me, you are very welcome to. Do. Let's just go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, post pandemic, I think we're all ready to just go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's a whole other binge driver for us right there. But, you know, yeah. So, it is. And, and just on to touch on that, some people reached out, especially early pandemic, and were like, I'm home, I'm not going to work, my kids aren't, you know, I don't have daycare, but yet I feel like I'm spending a lot of money, right? Like, I feel like I'm being yeah. really irresponsible. Oh, yeah, I know that feeling, right? That you want to hoard, but life won't let you hoard. You know, you're trying to be protective, but then like we had a window that was, the m- mechanism wasn't working. Well, there's 200 bucks to get the window. F- you know, it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> But there's also an element here of mental health spending is a real thing. 
And that when you're in depression, when you're in anxiety, we tend to overspend just naturally. Interesting. And we're, we are, we're searching for comfort, right? And so in a situation where you're completely overwhelmed, completely stressed, yeah, ordering takeout an extra time a week might just be something you have to adjust your budget for for a little bit. And I think that learning that our budgets are living things and that we have to flex with the seasons where we are in life, not overspend, don't go build credit card debt, but just flex and not shame yourself when things are hard, right? Yeah. Well, so how do you get people thinking about the goals that they want? Because there's a lot of just like, got to pay the bills. You know, it's it's sometimes, it's hard to get out of the the budgeting mindset and to think goals sometimes. There's so many layers of this, right? There's the fact that we're adulting now. We're all adulting. Yeah. <laughs> and we get stuck in the, you know, what are we supposed to do? How do we keep our heads above water? We're so busy and we're so disconnected in that realm from what we want and how we want to feel and who we are. You know, that's something we hear from moms all the time is, I don't know who I am anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the first thing is creating some space. And I mean, putting on your calendar once a week, 30 minutes that nothing is scheduled for that 30 minutes. I want you to just go for a walk. I know. What? This is nuttiness. I don't know what you're saying now. (laughs) (laughs) Go for a walk. Go for a drive. Driving is one of my favorites. Just like go for a drive around, put some music on, like Nobody can bother me. It's, it's something that I like to do. But find a place of quiet because you have to start to be able to hear that kind of inner voice before you can really decide what you want to do. Then one of the first things we tell moms to do or really anyone to do is think about how you want to feel. So think of like your best day, your best week, your best month. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel inspired? Do you want to feel uh, charitable? Do you want to feel sexy? What, you know, what's the word? Pick a word that... And really, we tell people to pick three, right? Do we want to feel educated? Do we want to feel empowered? And what does that mean? What are the activities that bring you those feelings? And these are things you can do today. And these are the things that like might be bigger goals, right? If I want to feel inspired, one of the ways that I can feel inspired is like backpacking across Europe for three weeks, right? And I want to do that when my kids are old enough to remember it. So maybe by the time they're 12 and 13, I want to have money to Mm. do that. And we start to build goals, not just around the thing, right? The trip to Europe is still an amazing goal, but what we're searching for is the feeling. Because what that allows us to do is when we need to pivot, we can pivot. And so when we say, hey, this Europe goal has actually gotten, it's not as aligned anymore. What I want to do is take an art class. What I want to do is do this thing. It's much easier to root back to, are my goals still making me feel the way I want to feel? Interesting. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, sometimes we get caught up in the goal, right? We get caught up in the, we have to do the thing. And that's where you get summit syndrome, where you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, I'm not sure I wanted to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that sucks. That feeling sucks. And so it's getting really in line with, with how you want to feel. And then that that breaks into small goals. And so once you kind of know, hey, this is how I want to feel. These are the things that would make me feel really on fire today and definitely in retirement. Like start to talk, if you have a partner, talking to them about, you know, how do you want to spend your days? Like what is your ideal vision? Because for some people, their ideal vision is buying a house down the street from their kid and babysitting their grandkids. Oh, like, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and so for them, the amount of money they need for retirement is different than somebody who wants to travel the world on, you know, weekend and week out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's identifying what you want and why, and then breaking it down into what we call the domino goals. So what's the one thing you can do today that knocks over the next domino for tomorrow and on and on and on. And so for today, 
it might be just Googling what an expense ratio is in your 401k, right? You don't know what this <laughs> thing is. You're confused. We're going to Google that. And then tomorrow you'll know what that is. So you can go in and look and see if there's a better option for you to reduce your fees. And then that means you're building more wealth, right? It's, it's yeah. understanding that Those these fees, teeny, yeah. teeny tiny steps knock down dominoes. I love it. And if we are doing that for ourselves, then what sort of conversations are you having about with the kids, mm-hmm. you know, about how we pass on things as, as someone, I have a, I have a child who just started her freshman year in college and money's taken on a whole different turn, you know, both, yeah. not only the cost of college, but she's gone, she's, you know, you remember being a freshman and like buying your own snacks and it's just, there's a different relationship to it. So I, I'm intrigued on in what you guys are talking about with the kids. Yeah. So first things first with the kids, we can go back to way at the beginning of the interview, words matter. And so all of the work that you're personally doing on the relationship you want with money and how you want your money to work in the world, your kids are watching that. And that's an incredible lesson in and of itself. The conversations we intentionally have with our kids are important, but somehow less important than just what they see every day. Now, the intentional conversations we recommend that all families have is setting what we call your family money values. What do you want your money to do for you? What are the causes? What are the things that you support? What are the types of businesses you support, the ways you invest? And when you talk to your kids about money, whether it's whether or not you buy that toy in the store, whether it's the type of vacation you take, keep pulling it back to those core family money values, right? We are a family who believes, you know, net worth does not equal self-worth. And what that means is that we bless others with wealth, that wealth everyone is equally worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that we have to, to bless others. And that's that can be a value. Hard work can be a value, right? And, and how do we express that in, you know, the types of businesses we support, right? Do we support companies that are undervaluing workers? Or do we support companies that are paying a fair wage? And so it's it's tying it back on a regular basis. And as your kids get older, it's giving them more and more autonomy. So I love this concept. It's actually, I first heard about it from Bobby Rebel, who uh, is- Good pal, friend of the show, pal. love her to pieces, yes. She's amazing, which is the idea of a family financial ecosystem. And at every age, taking care of that family financial ecosystem. So what that means is, is your kid when your kid is- a freshman in college, they are now in charge of more of that, right? They yeah. are making more of their own decisions. And so it's talking to them about what are their responsibilities now in that ecosystem? How can they express their values? Where are their money values going to be different than yours, right? Because now they're getting out and being on their own. On Never. <laughs> but my kids are five and three. So for them, they have allowance. And it, it, for my five-year-old, it's $6 a week. For my three-year-old, it's $3 a week. My five-year-old gets one more dollar than his age because I don't like dividing five into three buckets every week. (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. (laughs) They understand that allowance is our investment in them learning how to manage our financial ecosystem. So today, Henry, who's my five-year-old, is old enough to be responsible for $6 a week. He's responsible for $6. But when he's 18, 20, 25, I want him more involved in hey, dad and I are thinking about buying this real estate property. What do you think? Hey, yep. you know, we're thinking about selling the business or buying a business. What do you think? And we want that plant that seed at the beginning. And so slowly giving them more responsibility as they grow up, because that's the beauty of generational wealth. If we don't talk to our kids and we don't give them the opportunity to practice at age appropriate levels all along the way to someday just 
put that whole, you know, all the wealth that you've built onto your kids is not helpful. And maybe you're in a spot where you're like, I'm not going to be leaving money behind my kids. Yeah. Like this kind like, of I would love to have this problem, but yes, no, no, I'm being silly. <laughs> no, no, but, but you are building the foundation, right? So even if you're not leaving the monetary value, if you are leaving them these strong money lessons, they are 10 steps further than you were on building that wealth to pass to their kids, right? And right. so it's, what does your family's ecosystem look like across generations and how can you continually pull your kids into that? One of my favorite little exercises with, with our little guys is going into the grocery store and being like, hey, we have 20 bucks for fruit this week. You guys go pick what fruit you want. And they get to do opportunity costs. They get to do some math. They get mm-hmm. to make a choice with their money. And you see this at older ages where families, you know, kids 12 to 15, they say, parents sit down and say, hey, we have this much money for vacation this year. What do we want to do? Everybody go research oh, what we want nice. to do. Yeah. And, you know, someone's in charge of looking at hotels and Airbnbs. Someone's in charge of looking at flights and really start to let them experience making big money decisions where it's safe and that there's always a net there to catch them and learn from. Hmm. I like that. I also uh, find looking for Airbnbs and the like really annoying. So I would love to offload that. to some <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lesson learned that helps me with something I don't want to do. (laughs) Well, and so this is another thing, Jennifer, there's so many ways of that, right? And so one example is when your kids reach, every kid's maturity level is different. But when your kid reaches kind of 12 to 13, 14, some families have a ton of success turning their kid's clothing budget over to them and saying, hey, oh, yeah. Mom and dad, mom and mom, we have this much money a year for your clothes. I expect you to have, you know, nice outfits for school and so many pairs of work pants or whatever it is your their guidelines are. And then it's up to them. And if they, you know, if they get tight, they can go to Salvation Army, right? But they, but you have to let them figure it out. And it takes something. Oh, that works. I totally. And they also, you know, you know that you can't pick out any after a certain age. You remember being that age. There's nothing that any adult in your life except for some odd aunt somewhere who gives, you know, that you're like, oh my gosh, that day they won. But that you can't, you can't win once they turn a certain age. Only they know what is the right, whatever. So yes. And so, yeah, giving them their pot of money to go navigate themselves. I always said, I'll I'll buy the, you know, skivvies and the bras, you know, that's, that's our, which is actually a great deal because, you know, we know how expensive bras can be. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great deal. And it's, you know, it's a funny conversations you can have too. So we were recently having a conversation about what rich means and how to know yeah. if somebody's rich. And so it was a really funny conversation even between my husband and I, because he was talking about when he was a kid, the family who had a fridge with an ice maker built in, like he just assumed <gasps> yes. that they were like the wealthiest people in the world. And then his other friend who had a finished basement, like those were to him yep. signals of wealth. And so- we're having this conversation. We had friends over and our, one of my friends was like, yeah, so I had the same thing about the ice machine. And so when we first moved into a house as adults with an ice machine, it was like two months before I actually used it because I had this whole mental block that like, really, that I was too fancy. It was too fancy for me. I wasn't worthy of the rich ice maker. And that, of course, that wasn't a conscious thought, but it took her a while to be like, why do I still have ice cube trays? <laughs> It's the right. freezer where the door, and so you and you can figure that out for your kids, yep. right? What are, what are their answers to these questions? Yes, uh, my kids grew up in the city. I think it's a backyard is the mm. sign. 
typing yeah. that. I think I know. I think I know it's outdoor space that signals incredible wealth. Yeah. So, <laughs> which as someone who grew up in a small town where everyone was in the middle of nowhere, that was not, the ice maker was much more on our radar. Ooh, ice maker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, well, so what's next on the horizon for Smart Money Mamas? What's coming down the pike? We're just doing so many things at Smart Money Mamas. This last quarter of the year in the Motivated Mama Society is always about setting your intentions and plans for the new year, making mm. sure that we're thinking about, you know, how did this year go financially and otherwise? What do you want to see happen differently and how can we start to set the stage? I think one of the really cool things to do, I love New Year's resolutions, but I also love starting them in like November like slowly starting them so that by the time it's January, it's already a little bit of a habit and I don't feel wow. like I'm like ripping the bandaid off. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, just doing the little things. So you know, one example we had last year uh, was like doing a five minute workout every day. Like, I don't care if you go for like walk to the end of the driveway and back. And if you can do that for November and December, going to the gym, Jan one is not going to seem that crazy. Right. Cause you're going to have built up some, some tolerance. So and that happens with your money too. And so we'll be doing all of that work within the society. And then on the Smart Money Mamas YouTube channel, we're doing a whole series about print-on-demand businesses. And so we actually had some fun. We started our own print-on-demand business to see how it works uh, as a side hustle, as a side business. Wow. And so we're continuing to chart that journey over there. So if you're interested in side hustle opportunities, come check us out. Oh, well, that's really, that's super cool. And we will link to Smart Money Mamas in the episode notes. So you make it really easy to find uh, all the conversation that's going on over there, all the, the learning and the talking and the connecting. So, well, Chelsea, Brennan, thank you so much for joining us on The Breadwinners. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on The Breadwinners. I encourage you to email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.